Do you remember back in school something that was called show and tell? That's the time, usually when you or I were in elementary school, you'd bring in an object, any kind of an object. Maybe it's your Little League baseball glove or a ticket stub to the circus. Something like that. And you would show the item and then you would talk about the experience. You would tell. Keep that in mind while I move along here for a minute. For the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about a rescue mission that God sent Jesus on for you and for me. We said that the beginning of this rescue mission was Jesus coming from heaven to earth for you and for me. And the motive for this rescue mission is love. But the reason for the rescue mission is because you and I are in trouble. Our sin got us into a lot of trouble. It's weird to think that uh, it, it, it did, even though we never thought we'd get in trouble when we were about to say the things that we said or do the things that we did, but having said them and done them, now we're in a mess, and we think that because we're in a mess, God would want nothing to do with us. But it's actually quite the opposite. Seeing our needs, seeing the trouble that we're in, He sent Jesus to rescue you and me. And even knowing that, it's hard to forget all the mess that we are in. It's weird to think that God would want a relationship with you and me. See, it wasn't just that uh, God sent Jesus to rescue us. He sent uh, Jesus to restore a relationship that he wants with each of us. It's hard to think that God would want that relationship with us. It was hard for the guys that were with Jesus to think that God wanted a relationship with us. But he did. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus is quite possibly the greatest show and tell presentation in the history of show and tell, really. Jesus basically said to the guys, he said this, I'm not just here to restore a relationship with you. I want you to understand that if you've seen me, you've seen God. That sounds crazy just to even say it, let alone for you to hear it. But that's exactly what Jesus said. Listen to John chapter 14, starting with the sixth verse. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Here it is. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does this work through me. Just believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. Now when Jesus is saying this to Philip and all of the other guys, <clears throat> Uh, in the chronology of the mission that Jesus was on, it's really the last few days before Jesus goes to the cross, before he's buried in the tomb, and before that great resurrection moment occurs. 
Jesus is letting them know that he's going to be leaving them, but he's not going to be abandoning them. That's really important. Um, He's showing them what God is like. He's been showing them all the time what God is like. Jesus has been showing God powerfully to them. Powerfully. Jesus did so many things that only God can do. We might think that that's where the power is, but that's not really where the power is because that's usually what happens when we see miracles. Just like that, we're focusing on what happened when God wants you and I to focus on who was doing it. That's really where the power is. The power isn't in the miracles, it's in the person. It's in the person who's making the statement that Jesus made. The power was in that declaration. Listen to what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. Wow. This is really a challenge. What Jesus said is sometimes really, really hard for us to hear. It's not just hard to hear, but it's hard to understand. It's hard to understand philosophically. It's hard to understand intellectually. And it clashes with so much of our world, our our cultural world, and our personal world. There's a lot of friction involved in that. Some would say what Jesus said, that I'm the only way to God. No one comes to the Father except through me. That when he said that, he was being arrogant, even rude. I mean, who says those kinds of things? Trying to explain the existence of God, let alone saying that I am God, explaining the person of God, it's just, it's hard. But there he was, there Jesus was. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all write about him. John and Matthew saw him. They were with him. They saw him eat with them, laugh with them, cry with them, teach them, do incredible things. They watched all of it happen, just like any other average person. But you see, the thing is, Jesus is not like any other average person. Not at all. No one else could do the things that Jesus did. There's been no one like Jesus before or since. That's the whole point. Read what John said. Remember what I said a couple of weeks ago, quoting from John chapter 1? John wrote, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. This opens up so many discussions, so many arguments even. People have uh, tried to figure this out. Even the wisest people who have lived for centuries are still trying to resolve exactly what is being said here. To try and explain what many people understand is the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. They're they're all the same, and yet they're not. They're all one, but yet they're separate. How is that possible? How does that even work? I don't know. What I am encouraged about, though, is not even Jesus explained it all. He just simply said what he said. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Philippi, said that equality with God is something that you and I are not able to grasp. We just can't. And the inability to understand the divinity of Jesus is quite possibly one of the biggest stumbling blocks for a whole bunch of people. The religious leaders of Jesus' day, they weren't able to grasp it. 
They didn't understand it. And not only did they not understand it, it made them angry. So angry that they wanted to kill Jesus because of it. I mean, you just don't say that I am equal to God and get away with it. Not to them anyway. He didn't just do it once or even twice. He did it a whole bunch of times. But they couldn't just cast it aside. They couldn't just ignore Jesus because they couldn't ignore what he had done either. Again, the miraculous things that Jesus did, only God can do. So, which is harder to say that I am from the Father and the Father is in me and, and, and I'm in the Father? Or is it harder to just heal people miraculously? See, that was the whole point. And even the guys that were following Jesus didn't really understand at all. They couldn't. They were barely able to comprehend the things that they saw him do. Here's the bottom line. In many ways, you and I are no different than the religious leaders who were challenging Jesus or those that were following him that didn't understand Jesus. Because here's the point. The things about Jesus that challenge us the most, the things that we wonder about, it really makes us question, is he really God? That's the biggest challenge. We have the hardest time concluding that Jesus is God. Some might say, I really like Jesus, but that walking on the water thing, I, I just don't know about that. I like what Jesus says about taking care of your problems first before you start talking about the problems of other people. But that born of a virgin thing, I, you know, I, I have a hard time going beyond that. And I really like the part about being forgiven, about taking away the guilt of my sin and, and, and just forgiving me. But the resurrection, Easter, the empty tomb, I just don't know about that. Jesus didn't say, I am a way. I am a truth. Or I am a different kind of life. He didn't say that. And he didn't just uh, not say that. He, he, he said, I am the way. Not I was the way or I will be the way. He said, I am the way. We don't like to hear those kinds of things. And, and because we, we just don't like the ultimatum. We, we, we like to think that we have options, that there's a different way to go in all of this. But for Jesus to say he's the only way to God, wow, there are challenges to my heart, your heart, my mind, your mind. Remember what I said last week when I was quoting John chapter 3 in the 16th verse? Jesus said, whoever believes in him, whoever believes Jesus. The challenge about believing in Jesus is believing the Jesus that God sent. Not believing the Jesus that we hope God would send. An amazing Jesus, bright lights, loud music, all those kinds of things. But this average man that showed up, the way that he did, doing things that were not average, saying that he was equal to God, Without Jesus being who he says he is, the son of God, the one who was with God in the beginning, there's no forgiveness of sin. 
There's no hope of heaven. Because that's the Jesus that God sent. That's the Jesus that died on the cross. That's the Jesus that walked out of the tomb. You either get all of him or you get none of him. That's what Jesus is saying. The world today that we live in doesn't like those ultimatums. The world today that we live in demands equality and inclusiveness. But that very same world that makes those kinds of demands rarely is able to establish equality and inclusiveness. And if they do, it doesn't stick around for long. It falls apart. Why? Because just the moment you try to uh, advocate one group that you think is being uh, treated unfairly, another group stands up and says, wait a second, if you treat them like that, you're making it unfair for us. And just about the time we think that we've made uh, it equal for everybody, we just make more groups. There's more division. There's more arguments. There's more frustration. There's more inequality. That's how good we are at it. But what God did was completely different. What God did was humbly brilliant. In one statement, Jesus is powerfully inclusive and powerfully exclusive. In one statement, he does all this. What God did by sending Jesus is make everyone equal. By declaring them to be sinners. You, me, those before us, those who will come after us. He makes everyone equal. And then what does he do? He makes everyone equal again by offering everyone the same forgiveness. Exclusively through Jesus. Everybody gets it. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what you've done, how much you know, how much you don't know, how much you have, how much you don't have. Everyone gets the same thing. The same offer. The same exclusive offer. Only God can do that. Only God can offer that. Only God can judge you and me. And only God can rescue you and me. Save you and me. That is powerful. Really powerful. That's exactly what Jesus was showing. Jesus was showing God powerfully in everything he did and everything he was going to do. And here's where it gets personal. It's one thing to talk about the power of God, to see it, but it's a whole other thing to have the power of God applied to my life, applied to your life, to see the power of God in my life, your life. That's where it gets personal. Jesus is trying to explain to those who follow him that he's uh, the one that God sent. This is what God wants uh, him to do. And and one of the guys, Philip, who's really, really confused, he's just trying to understand, just like you and I are trying to understand all this, what Jesus is saying and what he's talking about and how he's talking about God and all this stuff. And he just says to Jesus, can you just show us the Father? And Jesus rather frustratingly, responds, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Wow. 
God knows how hard it is to comprehend what He's like, how He thinks, what He does, and how He can do it. He knows that it's, we're barely able to understand it when we hear it, let alone explain it to somebody else. So God makes it really, really easy. He makes it so simple for you and me. And He simply says, I'll tell you what, there's Jesus. He's just like me. He is me. These guys saw Jesus. They lived with Jesus. And Jesus is saying, you're asking for the Father? The Father is here. He's right here. It's me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And if it doesn't make sense, which I can understand why it might not, just believe that. Jesus is showing God personally. Jesus is standing right in front of them, personally showing him. He's showing how God talks. He's showing how God thinks. He's showing how God loves, how God forgives, all these things. Remember, he was with God in the beginning. He tells, he tells Philip that the Father is in him and he is in the Father. And they've seen Jesus and therefore they've seen the Father. Again, God is making this a whole lot easier than he really needs to. He's making it easier for our benefit, for uh, their benefit, for your benefit. He's making it really easy. And Jesus just says, even if it doesn't make sense to you, just believe that I am who I say I am. That I'm doing what I say I'm going to do. Now, when I say things like that, you're probably thinking, just believe. Really? Okay. I get why you might be resistant for that. Right now, some of you just believe that you need to pay your taxes. Well, Shan, we have to pay our taxes. Just out of curiosity, has anybody read the tax code? There are arguments about what the tax code really contains in there. Does it have 4,000 pages? Does it have 6,000 pages? 10,000 pages? If you include all of the court issues and the things that have come about, there's a lot of information in the tax code. I can probably guess that none of you have read the tax code, but you know what you do? You just believe when you walk up to the accountant or HR block or whomever it is that you do your taxes with, you hand over some of your most personal financial information your pay stubs, your W-2, your uh, Social Security number. You turn all of that stuff over and you hand those pages over and somebody just goes, you owe this and you just believe it. I do it. You do it. So it's okay for you to just believe or for someone to ask you to just believe it is what it is. And Jesus, who does a lot more for you than the government, says, just believe. Jesus tells them to just believe. He's saying, if you're comfortable with me, then you can be comfortable with God. If you can talk with me the way that you talk with me, then you can talk with God the same way. As personal as you are with me, you can be personal with God. And the way you begin Restoring this relationship, the way that you begin this personal relationship with God is by believing in Jesus. And the way you continue, sustain this relationship is by following Jesus. It's about a personal 
relationship. It's always been personal with God. It's always been personal with Jesus. And he wants it to be personal with you and me. What Jesus offered to them, he's offering to you and me. He's offering everyone a personal relationship with God. This might seem intimidating to you and me at first that you and I can actually have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe, but that's exactly what God wanted. That's the whole point. Remember, in order for the relationship to begin, in order for this relationship to be restored, our sin has to be removed. That's why God sent Jesus. That's exactly why he sent him. And the plan to forgive That sin was for Jesus to die on the cross, for him to offer his life as the price to be paid for the mess that we made, the mess that I made, the mess that you made. It's as if Jesus says, I know this is going to be hard, so I'll tell you what. How about I take the first step? How about I go first? How about I die for you? And the minute we understand that Jesus did, in fact, die for us is the minute that we realize that we can live for him. There's a lot of power there, and it's personal. Because Jesus died for us, he asks us to live for him. It's personal the way that we make this decision. It's personal the way that we believe in Jesus. It's personal the way that we follow Jesus. It's personal the way that we serve. It's personal the way that we give. And it's personal the way that we share what's happened to us. It may be challenging. It may be hard. But I guarantee you, whatever difficulty you might go through to live for Jesus is much easier than the difficulty that Jesus went through in dying for us. I guarantee you, it's a whole lot easier for us to do what Jesus asks than for Jesus to do what God asked of him. Computer begins to work again. You know what was wrong. You know what was broken. Jesus, in any way, in any short, in in, in any time, is a known good. Always. When Jesus shows up in my life, he takes my bad heart and replaces it with his good heart. He takes my bad mind, my sinful mind, and he replaces it with his good mind. Jesus is a known good. 